Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 229. John and Wendy talk to Matt Stolick. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How's it going, John? Wendy, I'm well. I wanted to give a quick shout out. Uh, our good friend Rob Targos has wrapped up the Cerebral Podcast with 116 episodes, which wow. kudos to Rob. Yes. He wrapped up at the end of June. While he has wrapped that up, he is doing other things in the disability community now. I would really sincerely hope that those of you who have never checked that show out would give it a listen. Rob's been on the show. He's been a tremendous yeah. supporter of ours and has attended events. Many of you know Rob and have engaged with Rob. One of the best dudes out there. For someone with cerebral palsy to be creating content, it is not common. I've talked to him several <laughs> times about the fact he's he's partnered with other shows with people that have cerebral palsy. It is a, a very distinct voice. I would highly recommend if you haven't checked out the show to do so. And you've got 116 episodes in the catalog that you can check out. The great news is they're not 30 minutes. Uh, <laughs> he sits, tends to stick to that 8 to 12 minute range. Those are perfect. A lot of great learning content out there. I was disappointed in one respect, but I'm really proud of Rob for what he did and was able to accomplish. Again, 116 episodes is nothing to sneeze no. at. Kudos, Rob. His global audience is to be appreciated too. I think he was like us, didn't expect <laughs> to resonate as he has yeah. globally. I wanted to, I wanted to mention that we'll Fantastic. have a link in the show notes to his show too, but check out cerebral podcast and connect with Rob. If you're not connected with Rob, he's always interested in talking about things. One of the best podcast titles, quite honestly, you know, absolutely. When he told, <laughs> when he first told me the idea and he said, yeah, I want to start a show. I'm going to call it cerebral podcast. Like you win. Yeah. You know, he, you win. he wins the podcasting world. So perfect. Kudos, kudos, Rob. Give it a listen. I'm excited about today's guest. Yes. We're going to call it a take two. <laughs> we talk about Mother Nature and not cooperating. Yeah. Wendy, this was a perfect example of a time where not only did the technology not work, your power went out after the yes, fact. Yes, we were without power for quite some time. Quite a misadventure to get here today. <laughs> we made it, and I am so excited to welcome Matt Stolick to the show. Matt is an Associate Professor of Business Administration at St. Norbert College in De Pere, Wisconsin, where he teaches classes in human resources, organizational behavior, and statistics. Uh, I like two of those three things a lot. So, Matt, welcome to the show. <laughs> Hello. Uh, first question, what's in your glass? Well, since I am at my office, I have some quality H2O awesome. in my igloo cooler Millennium Falcon nice. glass. Perfect. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> but I want to know, what's the, the you said two out of three, what's the one that you don't like? Oh, statistics. Why? It, I I struggled. Yeah, I'm taking over the show. <laughs> I struggled through it a few years ago. All the different formulas, and I just have I have trouble with keeping them straight. Um, and I have never been able to have the time dedicated to get them straight in my head. So it's it's a me problem and not a statistics problem. <laughs> Fair enough. That may be part of the conversation. What's going on? Yeah, I hope so. Well, Matt, again, we appreciate you being with us. And it's unfortunate it's taken us this long to get together. We are now, and we are happy about that. I have to ask, how did you get your start in academia and then ultimately teaching human resources as part of your role? The long journey that I'll try to TLDR in this. I am a faculty brat. My dad was a professor at Michigan State in child psychology, 
My mom was a choir director at Michigan State and University of Michigan Flint. I've known nothing else but academic life for growing up. So it was a matter of simply choosing the field. Uh, my undergrad was in economics and urban policy. So in part, I thought I'd be doing city planning or doing something like that. I started getting, going to the statistics part, into gerontology. I was thinking in the 80s, boy, these baby boomers are going to be around for a long time. <laughs> the study of gerontology. So I was going to grad schools for that. I took a social work class in undergrad and eventually ended up at Brandeis at the Heller School for Social Policy. Um, and I took an economics of aging class that got into social, uh, social security. I took a employee benefits course. And so I thought, hmm, HR sounds a little interesting. I might gear toward labor economics. And then I went on to the University of Illinois, uh, where I thought I was going to go into labor economics. And like your experience with stats, they had a labor economics stat course that was had nothing to do with economics. It was pure <laughs> math. And, and even though I'm strong in math, it was even beyond my comprehension. I said, maybe this is not for me. I like the HR part that I got from employee benefits. Hence, I decided to specialize in HR. And coincidentally, I got my PhD in HR 28 years ago tomorrow. Oh, June wow. 20th. I know you're talking July. We're recording on June 20th. <laughs> uh, I don't want to go into some space-time continuum issue here. But, yes. Wow. Well, congratulations. Happy anniversary on that. I uh, I lived through my husband getting his educational doctorate. So I completely understand and sympathize. Um, and his was, I think, 10 years ago. So, yeah, we still celebrate the burning of the dissertation. <laughs> I can understand that. I don't want to ever look at it. Yeah. <laughs> I can see all the errors that are in it. Uh, yeah. Misspellings or, oh, I wish I did this differently. Yep. Yep. No, I'm I, exactly, exactly. Been teaching for a while to, uh, and doing a great job at it, or you wouldn't, or at least enjoying it. Um, <laughs> and is a wonderful thing. Yes. So what are some of the changes that you've seen in students choosing HR as a career over the years? Because I know those of us who, you know, fell into HR sometimes look at those students going, why are you choosing this? I don't know if it's so much the students have changed, but certainly the field has changed. Yeah. What HR was in 1995 or 2000, much different than 2020, particularly over the last 10 years. But students still have the belief, the Steve Brown belief, I'm here to help people. They see it as a vocation, a calling. How do I help employees do better? How do I find employees? Recruiting is always a huge one for them to go into. It's what do I choose to emphasize in terms of what they should know. And sadly, the hardest part of the job right now is textbooks don't keep up with the changes in the field. And so seeing things like HR technology, if you pick up and you go to the, a SHRM conference or look for HR textbooks online, you're not going to see a chapter on HR technology or it's only going to be very limited. You're unlikely to see, say, the rise of data analytics in HR, even though it's a you problem when the <laughs> uh, but There's a great push. What's the biggest demand yep. in HR right now, right? Data analytics, HR, people analytics yep. is a huge demand. And I try to tell my students, you want job security right now? 
this is the area you want to go into. So it's more not so much students changing, it's the field has changed. And I mean, if you go to a demographics of any HR conference, has the demographics changed from your perspective in 20 years? Still primarily female. Yeah, yeah it, it's that we all still look alike. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, speaking of changes, the last couple of years in particular have been a lot of change for all of us. And, and I can imagine particularly as, as the husband of a grade school teacher and knowing what she went through, can only imagine at the collegiate level how different it is. Talk a little bit about how teaching has changed during COVID and even over the last, you, you mentioned the last decade or so, but how have things changed? What do you think is going to stay? What's What's been successful? What's not? Where have things gone there? So we essentially, the timing of when COVID came in March was somewhat special in the sense that it fell right before spring break. Students essentially had 48 hours to move out of their residence halls and go home. That essentially the last seven weeks of the semester were going to be remote. And so for faculty during that time, uh, March 2020, it was how do we move from in-person classes to online? For HR, it's not that hard. But being a math teacher, how do you get the proper technology to work from that point? Imagine being a art teacher or a music teacher. How do you get those lessons online? How do you do as a chemistry teacher if you're trying to do experiments when you're not in the lab and doing the hands-on thing? So it was a great period of adjustment. Some did better than others. Uh, I think the biggest lesson that we took from those first seven weeks is how do we show grace in the appropriate fashion? Uh, summer of 2020 became the grand, what are we going to do? How are we going to adjust and plan for a fall semester? So we spent three months looking at various scenario planning. What are we going to do? Is it going to be in-person? Is it going to be remote? What happens if it's in-person and students don't want to be in class? And so our college, to their credit, from the bottom rank and file, so this is how I often say, even though I don't, I'm not in HR. Much of my job involves HR from training and evaluating and recruiting and all that. We did a phenomenal job to say our goal is to be in person come August in the fall. We did our darndest. You know, we adjusted classrooms. We socially distanced desks. But there are still students who didn't want to come to campus. And so... The 2021 academic year was difficult in the sense that you were trying to teach a a class in person as well as online. So you had students in person with a small portion, and it steadily grew to a larger group (laughs) uh, who were trying to learn remotely. You have a mask on. You're trying to talk to students who are 30 yards away to make sure we can fit all of them in the classroom. So we had classes of 30 to 35 in 150 to 200 person auditoriums because that's the space. So how do you connect and build that relationship with students when they're you're waving to them in another zip code, basically? Or how do you make sure you're appealing to both audiences? both in person and online. And and you can't serve both masters as an educator. (laughs) I'm I'm sure when you've done your public speaking or presented at conferences, you can't do both and do both well. Mm -hmm. And so we basically said, 
fall of 2021, this academic past year. We're going to be in person. It's going to be in masks. You're not going to have to do the Zoom stuff, except under rare circumstances. A student misses class. They have to be quarantined. That's that. And we finally got to March of 2022. Masks were off and we're in person and it's back to quote unquote normal. So what are the lessons then to take away from that is certainly faculty have shown to be flexible and trying to see how they address. I think there's there's a certain grace, much like we had the myth of, oh, people can't work remotely. People can learn remotely. Due dates don't necessarily have to be as stringently held. <laughs> but I think the biggest lesson is as much as we like to see the move to online education, people, particularly 18 to 22-year-olds, want to be in person. They want to have the college experience. They want to hang out with friends. They want to socialize. From that standpoint, colleges can still, in a very competitive field with a shrinking demographic, still attract students to come because they want that experience. As great as the virtual is in, in all circumstances, we know in person is is first and, and is, is going to be best. But I, I appreciate all that you did to uh, accommodate your students. I know you were calling out for speakers and people to come in and, and jump on Zoom calls. I still think that's one of the great things that came out of that is that we're, I think we're a little more willing to jump on virtual events and be able to experience things that aren't, aren't local to us. Yeah, so that first semester, that seven weeks before mm-hmm. at the end of the 20 school year, I basically punted my entire <laughs> We said, all right, what's going to make this experience worthwhile? And I had 30 plus individuals, you mentioned Wendy, yep. yourself, others who are willing to come online for 30 to 45 minutes. I tried tying it back to chapter material. All right, recruiting. How do you recruit in a pandemic? Yep. How are you finding the talent you need? How are you evaluating employees when they are remote? And so- you know, I'm sure most of those HR people were stressed to the gills because they're trying to manage these people and make that transition themselves with their workforce, yep. but they were very kind to share their own experiences of what they were going through during the pandemic. You have a unique perspective in the HR world because you can see you see it from the academic side. So regardless of experience level, what do you think is the biggest challenge HR professionals are going to face over the next year? Talent is still going to be the the key phrase with unemployment still low, inflation high. How am I going to get people to come work for me? And how am I going to keep with inflation growing? You know, at least I can tell students. I I was telling students in January of 2020, oh, the market's going to be great in the next six months to two years just because all these baby boomers are going to retire. Organizations are going to need that talent. And suddenly that poor class of 2020 (laughs) <laughs> who are suddenly graduating to a, a horrible labor market. Oh, it, it bounced yeah. back quickly. And yeah. right now, as we see, everyone's dying to find talent. How do I get the people to come to my organization? What is going to be my value proposition that will get them? How do I stand out in a field, particularly if I'm a small company? What's mm-hmm. my brand? How uh, you know? So recruitment marketing is becoming more and more important from that standpoint. I'm telling students they have a lot more power than they really think they do in terms of salary, in terms of what they want from the workplace, the type of job, how many hours worked. And the stigma of job hopping has gone down considerably. 
they can join an organization. If they don't like it, it's not going to be as much of a detriment to suddenly say, I'm switching jobs if you have a good reason to do so. There's certainly uh, the HR side is, and the recruiting side is going to say, why did you leave your job? I can't be, uh, you know, I made a mistake. It's, it's going to be forgiven a little more easily or say, all right, here's an opportunity. I, did, I thought I might like this particular area of HR. I want to try this particular area. Matt, I think it's fair to say you've been a very familiar voice in our space. Like you said, you may not be practicing as such, but you've been active and in, in around, particularly when it came to conferences, when we've had a chance to connect several times over the years. I know it's probably difficult. Do you have a particular stellar memory, few memories that you, that you really enjoyed when, when we were doing in-person things as often as we were? My favorite one is TLNT had their first conference in Austin, I think around 2012, 2013. And do you know what fat heads are? Oh, yeah. 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 So you see them at basketball games. So Lori Rudiman was a speaker at a panel at the first TLNT conference. And I ordered four giant fat heads <laughs> of her face. And somehow I was able to smuggle it in my library, in my luggage, get it ready to go. And when she was introduced to the conference, I knew other people there. We suddenly were cheering and raising those. <laughs> giant heads, and I, I, if this was a visual one, I would have organized and had the picture ready. I do have pictures of it, of you know, four. We've got to see that man later. Uh, uh, Lori Rudiman heads of her. She was so embarrassed, but she loved it. Uh, you know, that is the rest awesome. of the audience is going, "What the hell is this?" The panelists are going, "This." So I totally threw off the entire game of that first panel, but it was more than worth it just for the experience. That's awesome. That that is, I don't, yeah, you, I don't think you could top that. I just, I don't know how you could top that. Proud moment. Yeah, one of the things that we've started doing that is outsourcing because it's what great HR pros do, and so we've been um, asking our guests for questions to ask the next podcast guest. So uh, Kristen Hawkinson asks, "What is your favorite karaoke song?" You know, my mom's a choir teacher, and I wish I had the voice that went with the talent. The kind of music I listen to I, is usually not on the list of songs that you would find in the karaoke book. <laughs> so for John, I would typically say something like The Frown Song by Ben Folds. And it fits in my range. If I had the voice, I would do I Spy by Pulp would be one I would oh. really like. But if I truly had the voice, it would either be Bad Religion by Frank Ocean, which you don't see often, or The Show Must Go On by Queen. That might be the most well-known of them. That would be that would be pretty cool. To remember the next, that the next time I go karaoke, to, karaoke. to a karaoke bar. I don't know. Who knows when that'll be? Been a long time. Well, Matt, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, which is the half-hour question connection. You told us a little bit about your background and a little bit about what you were um, started going towards when you were in college. But when you were a child, what career did you dream of having? The career I had at five, six, seven years old is I wanted, and it's a very narrow scope. I wanted to be organist for the Milwaukee Brewers. Oh. Even then I was thinking HR, which is the odd <laughs> thing for a seven-year-old to be thinking about. But I, the reason I was thinking about it is I thought the benefits would be great. I get to attend the games. For free. <laughs> People got excited when I performed. And somehow I had in my seven-year-old mind that 
you got free hot dogs by being an organist at the game. And so I thought, yeah, I get meals as part yeah. of this. What kind of job wouldn't be there? You, you relax, you're entertaining, got a good audience, get to watch some baseball. That'd be a perfect job. So did you take organ lessons then at all? To... I took piano lessons okay. until sixth grade. And I did, didn't stick. <laughs> I, I didn't have the, the capacity or the patience to practice regularly. Matt, who's one person you've gained your network in the last year that you think more people should know? Adam Karpiak. He's a recruiter, I think, out of New York. I'm trying to, I can't even remember what his Twitter account is. Uh, but he, And he's heavily on LinkedIn. I think he does a tremendous job talking about recruiting, what to do as an interviewer. He does reviews resumes. He's got a, a very strong voice. The other person, I think, is Madison Butler, who's a corporate unicorn on Twitter as well, who's a strong individual talking about issues that black women face at work. Matt, if you could go back to the start of your career, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself? I'm going to change that to not necessarily the advice I give myself, but the one that I remember most was it's a long career, small world. Now, academic, academia may be large and you have your, your there are a lot of academics out there, but as you get into just HR or you start getting into your subfield within HR, there's only going to be a few of you. Don't burn bridges. Uh, make sure you, you keep those relationships going because the things can arise five, ten years down the road. You don't want to have enemies in the world that might make your, your life a little harder. Matt, beyond the HR community, how do you enjoy giving back to your community at large? It's still within the HR community in terms of conferences. I've been on the, the Wisconsin State SHRM Conference for 15-plus years, an advisor to our student conference, advisor to other student group on campus for a good six, seven years, for example. I was the advisor for a female social group, which <laughs> made for an odd combination. <laughs> Um, but the students like me, I would go to their dances and I think the presence of, if you want to see me as an adult, tempered some of the bad things that could happen when (laughs) alcohol and college students mix, so to speak. (laughs) So, you know, our college very much emphasizes community learning, service learning components. So that's part of it as well. What's your favorite movie? My favorite movie is a one from the 1940s called Meet John Doe. It's a lesser-known Frank Capra film where you have a down-on-his-luck grifter who's recruited to play a newspaper character and eventually grows. And it's it's a somewhat political film. You could argue it's a Christmas film because it takes place between Thanksgiving (laughs) and Christmas time. But he suddenly, they start these John Doe clubs. He said, essentially, if things don't change socially, he's going to jump off the Empire State Building. And he convinces people to change. So getting back to your notion of community, what is a community about? What are we together as a group? But it's got great cast. You see faces that you normally don't see. You know, it's not all Scarlett Johansson and and (laughs) Helmsworth. You know, beautiful people there. These are just real faces dealing with real problems. 
but it's a very entertaining film. Matt, knowing that your musical tastes like mine run the gamut, I look forward to your answer here. What is the most memorable or your favorite live performance you've ever attended? The one I loved most was in 1997. I went to the Metro in Chicago and saw Orbital. And just it's one of my favorite album live. It was their Insides tour. Again, it's obscure for those who don't know. It's electronic. But that was my favorite show. I've seen Ben Fold seven times, going for my eighth next week. Uh, I just got back from seeing Kraftwerk in Minneapolis. They just stood there. It's, that's part of the appeal. But uh, just the the aesthetic was beautiful because it was in 3D. So you had your 3D glasses on, and that oh, made wow. it enjoyable. Prince was a wonderful live performer as well. Awesome. Matt, if you could be on any TV show, either as yourself or as a character, what would it be? If I could be on a show, I think I would do The Amazing Race Oh, with Phil Kogan. Okay. Coincidentally, I had Phil Kogan as a keynote speaker when I was co-chair for the Wisconsin Turn Conference back in 2009. He decided to hang out with us. We have a weekend each year where we try to choose a game where the Badgers and the Packers are both have home games, so we could do both hmm. all weekend. And he stuck with us for the entire weekend and had... He's saying, roll out the barrel at the the Packers game. (laughs) Uh, But he says, you know, that was uh, an amazing race in itself, putting up with the food and drink that we typically consume (laughs) on a weekend that is together. But I always thought that would be the reality show I would do. I couldn't do Big Brother for 90 days or, you know, however however many months that is. I have no desire to go on Survivor and and eat rice and, and... you know, pineapple for a period of time and starve myself. But Amazing Race, I always thought me and uh, HR favorite Trish McFarlane would be a good (laughs) partner to go ahead and do that little 26-day race around the world. I would watch that series, that season, for sure, yeah. Recently it was announced it's going to be Matt Stolick Day all around the world. What are we doing to celebrate? Breakfast would be a cinnamon roll. It's not going to be food-related. So, nice. you know, certainly that. Spend a couple hours listening to music. Get a good burger for lunch. Taking a ball game in the afternoon. Some ribs or barbecue for dinner. Mm. And watch a movie at night. It's a very leisurely, <laughs> couch potato-y kind of day. But that's Matt Stolick in a nutshell. I love it. I'm all in. I am all in. All right. Well, finally, Matt, as you know, we are outsourcing, so... If you could ask the next guest of the podcast any question, what would it be? I have two, and I'll let you choose which one you want to give to this person. One, this was a hot topic at Wisconsin Sherm 2021 and a a conversation we were having. Top sheet or not top sheet on your bed, particularly if you have a duvet cover. Some people love having an extra sheet on there. Others do not. So that's question one. The alternative question, when you're traveling on a plane single, when do you give up your seat if requested? So you might have reserved a seat. You might have paid for it. Let's take payment out of the scenario. So you've chosen your seat. You're sitting down. Someone wants to sit next to a friend. Is it a parent with a kid? Is it to a married couple that wants to sit? Is it friends? Does it depend on the length of the flight? When do you decide? Is it a, a fair trade-off? 
for, you know, if you're in the aisle, do you you get moved to a middle seat? You get moved to a window. I have lots of plain pet peeves. And so this happened to me once and I'm still haunted by it from like seven years ago. Coming back from a Sherm conference. Matt, I appreciate that only because you've given us two questions and they will both be asked. So yes, I love guests, that. I but love they will questions. each get, we will look forward to those responses for sure. Again, I appreciate your time and being with us and I appreciate you putting up with the technology issues, which yeah. seem to plague <laughs> us throughout, which uh, most people will be able to tell by this, but it's there. Most of our listeners are probably connected with you already, but if they're not, what's the best way for them to reach you out there? You can reach me on LinkedIn at Matt Stolick, Matthew Stolick. Uh, my Twitter handle is AKA Bruno. Uh, it was my nickname in college. They thought because of Tangerine Dream and music that I listened to, electronic and my curly hair, I look like the guy from the movie Fame. If you go with Bruno Martelli. So people yes, start yes, calling yes. me that. Okay. And so that nickname stuck. And then there are people in college that only know me as that and then now realize I could have gotten away with a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Stalick didn't do that. Bruno did that. It's Bruno. They've been away scot-free. And now we don't talk about Bruno, so it would be That's even right. better. <laughs> we will have both those in the show notes. And then, Wendy, how about you? Best way for listeners to reach you out there? Uh, best way, as always, on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. And, of course, the second and fourth Sunday of each month, 7 p.m. Eastern time, you will find me on Twitter as part of our twice-monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? JohnThurman.com for all things John Thurman and for the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Listen, rate, review, share, and follow whatever platform you're listening. Check mark, button, follow. I don't know what it is, but follow and you'll get a new episode each and every week. International listeners, we'd love to talk to you. If you're in academia, even more so. Anything that you're doing in the space, we'd love to talk and understand better about your world. It is easier for you to get in touch with us than it is for us to reach out to you. So shoot us a note and let's start those conversations Matt, again, appreciate being with us. And so for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon.